This episode of the Order 66 podcast brought to you by the generous donations of Kevin Malone, Donald Weller, B. Witzel, Andy Bethel, Darren Hampton, Trevor Hill, and William Sullivan, as well as lots of viewers and listeners like you. Broadcast live, you're listening to the Order 66 podcast. Brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and Wayne Basta, author of the Aristia series of novels. Greetings and salutations to all of the Gamer Nation here. We're back for the Order 66 podcast, and this is Sunday, March the 6th, 2016. My name is GM Dave, and I will be one of your hosts tonight. Yes, this is an odd night. This is a night that features not one, but two of the regular hosts that are just physically out of the country. Yes, I said country, with GM Phil boating around on some Disney cruise in the Caribbean. And you know Chris, he's got a he's got his later hosing on, and he apparently has uh, fallen down a snow-covered driveway in Austria. And, um, you know, so he's not going to be with us either. And that's just the way it is. And so, but worry not, Gamer Nation. We have, in their stead, called upon... The best ace out of the bullpen anybody could have, because it is pitchers and catchers time for, for baseball. Straight from the heart of Minneapolis, we bring Samuel Stewart from Fantasy Flight Games. Hello, Sam. Hey, Dave. How you doing? I am great, and I am so happy that you're here to help hey, us. I'm... I appreciate you uh, you having me on as always. Always good. Always good to be able to chat with you. Oh yeah. So um, yes, we um, we had to. You know, it's extraordinary measures, right? Because we 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 want to stay on schedule with the podcast because we got this show. Then we have another show on the on the uh, on the twentieth, and then we would like to have another show on the thirty fourth, which would be April third, right? So and and <laughs> and that's the uh, that's the day of Gamer Nation Con. So. You know, that, that's one of those deals where we don't exactly know how logistically it's going to work out yet because, uh, well, you know, and I have an announcement to that effect, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get to it. So, so I mean, with that, yeah, absolutely. So let's just let's just let's just do it. Yeah, let's let's do it. <laughs> Hello there. What have we here? Good news. (laughs) 
Well, greetings and salutations again. We have announcements. The featured podcast this week is, well, we're going to go back and look at all things Call of Cthulhu and turn our sights on the Miskatonic University podcast. And they're back just a couple of days ago for episode 96. And episode 96 brings us all four hosts for in for an examination of the social skills in Call of Cthulhu 7th edition Rules as Written. In this discussion, they come to the realization on an aspect of pushing that's written down, but we hadn't really considered it before. That's what they say. They also have a chat about using other things for scenario seeds, like weird dreams, actual experiences that can be mined for ideas, because, you know, Call of Cthulhu is just out there. So, take a listen, and you'll have some fun. And you can find this and many, many more great podcasts at www.d20radio.com. You know what, Sam? Yeah? You want me to take the next one? Well, you know, I was going to say that I'm really happy that the next one... Yes, go ahead. Announce it. Well, thanks. So, I'm very pleased to announce that Nexus of Power is shipping and should be in your uh, friendly local game store pretty soon. Um... And this is a book that uh, is near and dear to my heart because it was one of the ones I had the privilege of working on uh, personally. And uh, it's a source book of worlds that are strong with the Force. So we're talking Ilum, Dagobah, and some of the more some of the weirder worlds um, that uh, have uh, cropped up as well, as well as a few of our own new inventions. So please look for it. Uh, look for it soon. New inventions? Are, have you? Have you brought out the triple-bladed lightsaber? <laughs> <laughs> well, the light disc, right? The no. light disc. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant uh, I meant new worlds entirely. Um, stuff, um, places that uh, we've been able to uh, create for ourselves. Really? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be... Uh, I- I'm guessing that they're not going to be canonical, but they will at least be in the lore for the game. Yeah, exactly. And I mean... As as always, all of our stuff is um, all of our stuff is approved by um, LFL, so right. they're at least uh, they're at least not against the idea. Exactly, I, and no. so that's all we need now is JJ to put because what he's executive he's executive producer right for episode eight, mm-hmm. and so maybe he'll like be reading the book because I know he's an avid role player, right? Oh, I, I hope so. I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, if if. Uh, that would be <laughs> that would be so cool if all of a sudden one of these new planets popped up in episode eight, or as like a backstory for for one of the anthology films. Oh my god! Uh, you know, one of my well, it's not a secret dream anymore because I'm going to tell you about it on this podcast. But one of my dreams <laughs> is that um, when if this Han Solo movie comes out, I'm like, if this thing actually happens, and I sort of assume it is, but. Obviously, I don't know. Yeah. Um, if, if it does, we get a call from LFL saying, hey, send over like 10 copies of Sons of Fortune for us. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, exactly. Dude, I had um, – we we put Carillion Born Humans. Wes and I are, are making this uh, this adventure for our, uh, for our Kickstarter backers for this year's Kickstarter. Oh, and nice. um, we put a Carillion Born Human uh, into the mix – and we we also used uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Jasper, one of our listeners who created a, a, a Rebels source book 
Mm, yeah, I think I'm familiar with that. And he uh, put in a Mandalorian human, which you know it's, it's basically a human, except they get they get um, basically they get their their uh, talent, or I'm sorry, their skill dictated. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of like the Karelian born human does, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, and plus they can treat the Mandalorian gear as, as two levels lower in terms of uh, rarity so that they can find it. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a neat little ability. But um, in any event, I really don't know where I was going with that beside, uh, you know, aside uh, from just being it, really cool if one of those worlds made it in somehow. It really would. It really would. I just got to the part of Rebels that, uh, um, where they uh, revisit Concord Dawn and... As always, I'm enjoying how Rebels is do, um, is taking from the old lore. And, you know, it doesn't always stay the same, but uh, right. they're like, no, no, no. Dave Fioni's like, no, I remember all this uh, West End stuff and uh-huh. old novel stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I, I, uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree, and I like how some of that is making its way back in, you know, mm-hmm. to, uh, to canon. So, you know, I hope they continue with that. But, uh, yeah. Speaking of Nexus of Power, now there's also lots of splat books, and, and there's too many to list here, but the big news is that, uh, you know, D- uh, Force and Destiny sold out really quickly, and mm-hmm. the reprint for that guy is back on the boat. So listeners who, for whatever reason, did not get your core rulebook for Force and Destiny, and those of you that may just be getting back into the game and couldn't find Age, reprint for that guy as well on the boat. So... I, you know, I don't know if that's sold out or not, but it just it, it implies that it kind of is with a reprint. Well, I'll I'll tell you what uh, we saw a pretty big spike, and this should not surprise anyone. Around but it actually seven. surprised us a little bit. We saw a big spike in popularity, as judged by sales, when uh, the Force Awakens came out, and we've had to scramble to get a few uh, a few different books that uh, yeah that um, back in print as quickly as possible. That's hey, that's good news for you. And the funny thing is, we noticed the same thing. We, you know, we through our our uh, days of of Saga Edition, we topped out at about two thousand unique unique listens per show of, for our show, which is pretty good for a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And then when we started Fantasy Flight, we roughly doubled to about four thousand uniques per show, which is which is really good for us. And just here, since since the Force Awakens came out, we've bumped another ten percent. Oh, jeez! And so, I mean, it's uh, it's funny how people are getting into the game and then they start looking for resources on, you know, hey, how do I learn how to play this? And we're getting emails, a lot of emails from new people. Hey, I'm starting in episode one, and you know, is there any are there any episodes I need to listen to? And you know, we have a compendium of of, uh, of shows on the line, but it's kind of neat right. to see kind of this reawakening. Mm. happening see what i did there yeah. Uh, yeah, i raised my glass to you sir <laughs> thank you <laughs> um moving on we have a kickstarter starting tomorrow i think it's starting tomorrow uh if if uh if my last email is to be is uh, to be taken seriously christopher west those of you that know chris is a, a master cartographer and a supporter of this show is going to be kicking off a new kickstarter tomorrow and so everybody be on the lookout for new maps and stuff and uh as it happens, he's already almost done, or well, I say already, but he's almost done with uh, the set of map tiles that we owe our incredibly patient Kickstarter backers from 2014. <laughs> <laughs> 
it, it almost makes me laugh because we still owe them two things. We owe them these, this set of map tiles, and we owe them Chris's module, which, you know, it, it, he's in Austria. So, you know, blame him. It, uh, I believe that the, uh, although I can tell you for sure now, that the estimated completion, and he has committed to having this module out and to those Kickstarter backers sometime in the fourth quarter of 2018. Oh, that's yes. only two years, three years from now. It is, and it's only four years late. You know, so I mean, it, you know, we're 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 eagerly awaiting that. Um, and also, I was going to say we had a hole open up in Patreon, but it got filled already. So never mind. Oh, but uh, you know, it's uh, it was a it's a friendly game, uh, you know, of, of you guys. But uh, if you guys do want to check out our Patreon. We do, uh, obviously, if you'd like to follow us and kick in a few bucks a month, we pay our writers on our wonderful D20 Radio blog. And you can find all kinds of good stuff at d20radio.com right now, dedicated not only to this game and this gaming system, but tips on how to be a good GM, D&D type stuff, Call of Cthulhu. I mean, just about anything that we have a, ne- a show on the network for, you're going to find some resources for on the website d20radio.com of course and of course you can follow us on facebook and stay on our forums and follow us on twitter i'm i'm at gm dave the other two guys are gm chris and gm phil but you can follow at d20 radio as well to see all that stuff and we post and tweet show info and chris has a super secret twitter feed that's only for patreon backers so if you guys want to take a look at that yes you never know and with that we shall go ahead and get into the meat of the show. The meat. The meat. Indeed. Yes. So we had uh, GM Sam, not you. Nope, not me. But GM Sam on our forums wrote in a short but devastatingly effective post because it kicked off a number of responses that we wanted to tackle in a what will be a, a fairly short show, but it's going to be chock full of uh, interesting stuff. And I'll, I'll read his post. It says, I have a player that's interested in playing a gray Jedi. I'm not thrilled with the idea at all. How would you use the conflict mechanic if you allowed a gray Jedi in your game? That's great for messages from the edge, but, you know, this is one of those things that we've decided should have its own topic. So we spun the topic wheel, came up with this guy, and we are tentatively calling this show Gray Matters. We're going to be Mm. delving into a topic that... You may consider morally questionable. Um, oh, God, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> oh, that's so clever, sir. Uh, see, again, you must raise your glass. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I do indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a look at what happens when players want to skirt the edge in... Uh, I did it oh, again. Yeah, no, that was, no, I like that. That was good. <laughs> in playing Grey Jedi, and what happens when GMs allow morality into their games in ways that, quite frankly, don't work out too well for the GM in the long term? Just to complete the trifecta, would you say that it rebels against them? <laughs> 
That's right. It does. <laughs> okay. Okay. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. We have. We're bo- going to guarantee nobody's listening to this by the Absolutely. end of it. Absolutely. You know what? But we have a duty to bring this. T- <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, indeed. We are obligated. I mean, God, oh, I can't wow. quit. I cannot quit doing this. Holy cow. Mm-mm-mm. So anyway, with that. Morality. Yes. What is morality? And before Sam answers this, Gamer Nation, you may open your hymnals to page 48 in the Force and Destiny Core rulebook and find out and read along if you wish. However, I'm sure Sam is going to give you a much more in-depth view on what morality is. Sure, I'd be happy to. So... I'm sure, um, not to slip too much into lecture mode, because I'm sure you're all pretty aware with it, but morality is a view of, um, it's a measure of how good your character is, if you want to put it in the bluntest way possible. (laughs) Specifically, though, it is the mechanical measure of it, and like all mechanics, it's um, designed to enhance your gameplay, but not dominate it, so... um, it is a mechanical system by which you measure the uh, good deeds and la- um, and avoiding bad choices that your character makes, and a, sort of a way to de- a way to r- r- play out whether you're a good Jedi or a bad Jedi, whether you're a dark side force user or a light side force user, um, and it can affect your destiny points. There is a method by which you accrue conflict, which decreases your morality, and um, it. You never are quite sure um, where, which way your morality is going to go um, at the end of every session. So that's it in a nutshell. So, yeah, that's and that's one of the things, too, that, you know, it, it aside from being, a, you know, a simple measure of good and evil, right? But mm-hmm. um, it, it, it measures up to duty and obligation before that. And, and um, one of the things that I really kind of liked is the fact that it is... You know, there's there's a there's that randomizer that you mentioned, right? In in terms yep. of, you know, I can I can do I can commit some mayhem and I can do some bad things and I can, uh, short of killing someone, you know, I can I can do I can I can use my black side my black pips I can use my dark side pips I can generate some conflict, and then potentially I can do nine little acts of mayhem and then still gain a point of morality. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, right? Or you could uh, just as easily uh, drop um, drop by five or six. Exactly. But- yeah. Exactly. Or I can do. <laughs> I can. I can just. Oh, I can. I struggle. I struggle with this. So I'm a light side paragon. I struggle to use two dark side pips mm-hmm. through the entire adventure, and somehow I still go down one <laughs> because yep. I rolled just that terribly. Well, and that's the that's definitely the the from mechanical part of it, right? Um, as longtime listeners will be well aware, one of the big places you accrue conflict is when you tap into the dark side when using your force powers, which is a very mechanical decision. You know, it's um, do I want to fail this force power check or not use this force talent, or do I want to succeed on it? Right. Um, and you're not actually deciding whether or not to um, massacre a village full of orphans or something. Hey. Also, also a village full of orphans would be the saddest village. It, 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. And and I mean, would that not be? A, never mind. I'm not even gonna say that. <laughs> was, well, Chris isn't here, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, but so there is that mechanical element where you can interact with the morality system just fine and never actually make like role play out making a hard moral decision, but. There is also that mor- that is also that moral element, and if you want to, you can really play up the making moral decisions, good and evil. Um, do I steal the speeder bike? Do I, uh, or do I let the bad guy get away? Do I um, kill the bad guy, knowing that he's going to come back and murder and burn and destroy things if I don't take him out now, but it's the wrong decision. You know, all the great stuff we see in superhero movies, really. Of course. And we're going to see a bunch here in just a very oh. short time with uh, with uh, Civil War coming oh, out. Oh, jeez, yes. My wife, this is a total sidebar, but we went to go see London Has Fallen mm. over the weekend. You know, the latest in the, the latest in the whole Olympus Has Fallen you know, thing with... Uh, Mm-hmm. Oh, what's his Gerard name? Butler, Gerard it? Butler. Yeah, exactly. And um, so as a part of that, the trailer was there for Captain America Civil War. Oh. And she's like, she turns to me in the middle of this, in the middle of this, and she's like, why is Captain America fighting against them? I said, well, it's pretty much following the comics. You know, that's just kind of what happens in the comic books. And then she watches this, and she she's watching him beat up on Iron Man down on one knee, and she turns back to me again. She's like, I don't like Captain America anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's just her. You know, she's not in the comic books. She's not into gaming. She's not into any of this. And she's like, well, how come? She's like, that's the... That's the that's Jeremy. She doesn't call she doesn't call Hawkeye or anything like that. She's like that's Jeremy Renner. <laughs> yeah. She she's like why is he fighting with them and what what's going on? I'm like well you're just gonna have to see the movie. She's like I don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh but she will. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I'm like you know this is just this is they they'll get over it. We're gonna have an Avengers three you know. And so anyway, she's like mm. she's like I don't know I don't know. It's a great. But it's a. You're right, though. That's a great example of this of um, that morally gray stuff that we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Right decisions for the wrong reasons, or the wrong decisions for the right reasons. I love the fact that at this point, like, I mean, I know the Civil War story, but I'm looking at this movie, and based on what they've done up till now, I'm like, I don't know who's right here. Right, 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 right. Exactly. And and I, you know, I'll be honest. I I know. I have, of course, the Marvel Unlimited, you know, comic book thing. So, but that that being the case, I still have kept myself somewhat sheltered mm-hmm. from from seeing and watching, you know, uh, or or reading all this stuff. So I didn't want to get too far ahead, you know. Oh yeah. But uh, in any event, I, you know, to get back to to get back to the topic at hand, though, you know, it's it's you know. <laughs> Some people may look at it as as strictly a system to say this is good and this is bad, and you know, although you know, if you look, if you turn to and look at page three hundred twenty four, there is a list of stuff <laughs> that can get you in trouble, right? 
And, you know, and it's like a single point for using a black pip, obviously, to generate your force power. You know, you lie or you don't take action when somebody else is in pain. And then it goes all the way up to 10 plus, you know, 10 plus points or more for murdering. And not just the men, but the women and the children. <laughs> do you have a tally board that you uh, check yeah. off for, uh, we for do. that? We do, we do, we do. Okay, good. And you know, and, and it, it's funny that the music kind of came up and got all, you know, when mm-hmm. I, but you know, it just I didn't time it oh. that way, it just did. But, oh, that was perfect. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and it's, well, I think one thing that uh, you have to keep in mind with morality on that is that if... We, and I hear this a lot from players who are like, oh, I just can't get any black pips and I'm like not making my force powers work. I heard this actually the other day as a rules question, like my force powers don't work because I can't use any black pips because then I'll be evil. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. If you, if we all, if one bad deed was enough to turn all of us evil, uh, we'd all be yeah, we'd all be terrible Stalin Hitler clones mm-hmm. over here. Like, no, everyone's done something bad in their lives. You know, yeah. it's steal a Twizzler from a, a convenience <laughs> store or whatever. I mean, yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. I mean, and if theoretically and and absolutely speaking, murdering an entire village of Sand People still didn't turn Anakin negative or or <laughs> negative. Dark, yeah, really high roll. It was that. <laughs> yeah, he he he. I guarantee you, he lost a good forty points, and he was like lingering right there on the edge. And of course, old Palps just kind of pushes him right over the edge. But still, yeah. you know, he 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 started his descent right. So maybe he was going that way, and then he began his gradual fall. And that's a good example of you may be seventy five. Or even, you know, 65, not quite a light side paragon, but, you know, and then all of a sudden you do something bad and then you do something else and then you do, you massacre a village of people and, you know, you get 70 conflict. Well, you're not going to roll. <laughs> you're not going to roll out of 70 conflict, obviously. No. <laughs> and, and I'm exaggerating to prove a point, but, you know, that is, that it, it, I mean, it is what it is. And we're, I mean, we're not going to bother you with all the starting morality and, you know, how you can get more XP and, you know, credits. We'll rely on you reading the book for that. That's, you know, that's pages 48 through 53. But what we are going to talk a little bit about is morality and play, right? There we go. Yeah. And so, you know, how do you, one, how do you play the the player that wants to be a gray Jedi, right? So you're going to skirt, you're just going to, you're going to play in that 30 to 70 range. How do you GM? I love race theme, by the way. Nick Green. Just, yes. Anyway. Um, how do you how do you GM somebody who wants to play the Gray Jedi? And you know, is it really that hard, or is it, you know, is it just kind of there? You just follow the rules, and 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 it sounds like to me that 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 GM Sam has a predisposition that this is going to be difficult, uh, or that he's going to have some conflict. Oh, see, I did it again. Oh, with his players. Yeah. And. Um, and you know, and and so I think he's, I think that's a supposition on his part that this is going to go badly. You know, he has a bad feeling about this, so to speak. And it's really not that hard. Well, so before we uh, before we get into it, something that just occurred to me let's let's talk a little bit about what what is a gray Jedi like. What what do people see as a gray Jedi? That's a good that's a good that's a good question, right? Because. 
you know, who who says gray is gray? Yeah. You know, there's 50 at least shades of gray. <laughs> I don't know where this is coming I, from. I, I really don't. I think you uh, fall to the dark side specifically for that. <laughs> so there is... Um, there is, um, there, I don't, you know, and this is where, this is where we, this is where we, you know, the I force, mean, the the force is the ultimate arbiter, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. What, what is the, what is a gray Jedi is like, do we define a gray Jedi as a third classification of Jedi? Is it like dark sider, you're a light sider, you're a gray Jedi? Or is it, in fact, a shade of gray? You're welcome. Um, that, <laughs> See? Yeah, you know, it, it's too hard not to. Um, but but is it a shade of Like, is it you're a dark sider or you're a light sider, but within that light sider or even within the dark side sometimes, um, you know, there are people who are better or people who are worse. Is gray Jedi just a way of saying somebody who's not the best Jedi. He's okay. Right. Or she. she. He or she is okay. But they're not uh, but they're not uh, the, the best person around. Right. So that's, you know, that, and that that's basically it, right? So the player, in this case, uh, I, and I, and this engendered a big conversation on the forum. So somebody popped in and said, the player, you know, I'm having a problem because the player says, I don't think I should get, I should get conflict for this. They, you know, I'm a gray Jedi. It, it's morally ambiguous for me. And, you know, I'm like, okay, so the Force doesn't care. All right? Murder is murder. You know, Charles Manson doesn't think that he's a mean and bad person. But most of us kind of do. Right? And so the Force doesn't make judgment bad or... I mean, it kind of... I don't know what I'm really trying to say here. The individual is not tasked with judging whether that is good, bad, or indifferent. The actions are what the actions are, and they earn conflict because you're using the Force to tap into negative energy. Right? Yes. And so just because you think you're justified doesn't mean that you are justified and you're saying, well, that's the Force, right? Well, Han Solo has something for you. He says, that's not how the Force works. <laughs> it is not. Like, one of the things about, you're right, one of the things about Star Wars is it's been pretty well laid down in, like, in the movies and the core of the canon that um, it is a, the Force is good or it is evil. It is dark or it is light. Um... And so, so, so if you're trying to use, like, I'm a gray Jedi to get out of, like, taking bad things, no. If you're a gray Jedi, that, that's cool. That's <laughs> a, uh, like, that could be a really, that could be a really cool character, and I'm all for it, believe me. But, there is a, Star, Star Wars is one of, is one of these settings that has a higher morality. It has a good, evil, binary morality that it, it, absolute, that's what I'm looking for. It is an absolute morality. It is, um, it is not a relative morality. So you, whatever your character thinks, and people like that are all over Star Wars, right? I'm sure, um, oh, sure. I'm sure General Hux doesn't actually think he's a terrible person. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe General Hux actually does. I don't know. The yeah. guy's pretty malicious. Yeah. 
but he's not like um but you know like most of the people in the empire probably didn't think they were terrible people but it doesn't matter they are mm -hmm. they just don't realize it or what they're doing is wrong blowing up alderaan is wrong no matter how you justify it right yeah i think you get a few dark side points for that mm. i mean well conflict definitely Absolutely. Get some conflict yeah no uh I'm pretty well. I'm pretty sure Tarkin was uh, peeking along at zero, and he was just worried, so he made a deal with his GM. Hey, if I do this, you'll just keep me at zero for the rest of the game. And the GM's like, "Oh yeah, no, totally." Yeah, yeah. There's no way. You're, I mean, there's no negative numbers in Star Wars. You know, yeah. it looks like there's no crying in baseball. But you <laughs> will not ever see the light right. of day when or, it comes to your force or your your morality, <laughs> depending on how far ahead the GM was planning he might have been like don't worry I promise I won't raise your morality for the rest of your uh, for the rest life. of your life exactly yep. which is about what uh, two hours <laughs> yeah <laughs> two two big screen hours it could be yep. a number of sessions but yeah you never know yeah that's <laughs> true it, it would take players a while to get through the Death Star all those different rooms to explore yeah that's one of those things right is the my my rest of the story module kind of kind of follows a, an alternate path within uh the empire strikes back you know mm -hmm. here here are the guys that were you know kind of like rogue squadrons that mm -hmm. uh that were tasked with uh with going and finding the uh the, the plans for the for the new death star mm -hmm. and so the idea behind that is that you know they had three or four main encounters but if you tried to if you tried to map it you could do an entire campaign that just was episode four because there's so many plot points that you have to work through. Oh, geez, yes. And, you know, and every single one is an encounter of some sort. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, it would actually just get ridiculous. Yeah. If you were if you were trying to play it out. Mm -hmm. um. But, you know, and, I, you know, before the show, and this is something I wanted you to talk about, is, um, you know, when we were kind of doing our pre-show mm -hmm. stuff that we were talking about, you, you brought up the whole idea of anti-heroes, or anti-heroes, depending on how you want to say it, and, you know, how popular they are right now. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, so, um, I, just watched, uh, I just watched Deadpool the other night. Yeah. The quintessential anti-hero, right? Um, I won't, uh, I won't spoil anything because it's still in theaters, but I mean, we'll just, it's not spoilers to say he kills a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And he and Colossus have a lot of back and forths about exactly that. You know, Colossus is the hero. Colossus is the good guy who's like, hey, you should do the right thing. You should join, you know, uh -huh. join the X-Men, be the good guy. No, and, you, yeah, absolutely. And the, the funny thing is that that's a, that is a that is a point of conflict several times in the different movie. Yeah, or in exactly. the in the movie, right? You know, he's you know he's listening to the you know a man in a red suit, and he finishes. <laughs> he's like, oh my god! And you see the conflict within Colossus. You know, just 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 to you know, should I just kill this guy? <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> but. So the, I mean, so you, you see, like, the right thing to do, and then Deadpool happily doesn't do it. Um, <laughs> Deadpool is the perfect anti-hero, and anti-hero, like, 
we all love antiheroes. We loved Clint East, um, Clint, pretty much all of Clint Eastwood's characters in the old westerns. Um, I, Deadpool was hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a really popular trope. The guy who's willing to do the wrong things for the right reasons. Right. No, you're right. And, and we're getting more and more movies that are coming out with that specific thing, right? And so, I mean, it wasn't just... I mean, it's and it's not just now. I mean, th- th- let's go back seven, eight years, I think, mm. to the beginning of Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. That Walter White is the anti-hero that everybody rooted for. You know, doing very bad things for his family and all the justifiable reasons to himself. You know, and so I, we're not spoiling anything here with with uh, it's been out for so long. But I mean, right. you know, he 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 kills, or you know, flat out. You know, the, the, yeah, the, he, the corner where he ran over the two guys. Yeah. Okay, well they were going to shoot Jesse, so he ran them over. Yeah. The, and what's awesome about it that actually that brings up a great point about Walter White is that at some point Walter White becomes the villain. He becomes a bad person right. by any measure. You look at him, you're like, man, this guy's terrible. But he still thinks of himself as the hero. He's still doing the right thing in his mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the great thing about antiheroes, and I think why it's such an interesting character to play. They'll hit that point at some point where they're, they're bad guys. They're doing the wrong thing. But they don't see it that way. Um, and what's awesome about that i think with this system is um it sounds like this it comes back to this player the player is like i shouldn't get conflict for doing this because i'm a gray jedi because i'm an anti-hero and it's like no you should absolutely get conflict for it in fact you should be going to your gm and saying hey i need to get some conflict for this because i just did a terrible thing you should hook me up with some conflict you should be he should be playing up this idea Mm -hmm. now if he wants to if he wants to play the like the the anti-hero who never quite falls, who always skates to the edge, you know, every once in a while he can have that like chance to make a choice where he doesn't do the terrible thing, and you know, it redeems him a little bit. He uh, he comes back from the edge, and then he is gonna you know skirt skirt again later. But that's the you know, if, if you're playing that character, you should be like, no, I'm absolutely going to embrace um, playing the antihero, and I'm going to pl- and I'm going to take on this conflict and do some bad things every once in a while. Hey, I'll be uh, as a, another side note. I'll be perfectly honest. My favorite Mass Effect two playthrough was when I specifically was playing antihero Shepard, and you know, doing things like, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Push me out this window, and then. You have the option to just shove him right out right. the window, and you're like, "Oh, I guess I did." <laughs> How does that? What do uh-huh. you think about that? Uh-huh. And so we we've talked about this uh, previously that I had a character that I ran in a game that had um, addiction. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he had an addiction to the dark side. This would have been absolutely perfect to run in this system because this was Saga. I, I would love to reprise this character. Because he would have both morality and he'd have, um, like, obligation, you know, or, or, yep. or, you know, because he's addicted to the dark side. Oh, yeah. And he would, you know, the idea was that his morality would have to be 
restrained, so to speak, in, in this system. And I would skirt with falling to the dark side and, and you know, repent and, and, and do better. And, oh, no, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And, and I, you know, hopefully it would, would roll and generate, you know, some, some positive morality. And, and, and then just to turn around and, and uh, you know, get my fix and fall off the wagon again and uh, kill somebody, you know. And, and, <laughs> and that, was, that was his deal, right? His, when it, he, his moment of weakness was when usually a BBEG or someone um, – that had wronged him or hurt him physically was laying there and he would just coup de gras. Mm-hmm. He would just run him through, take the lightsaber, cut, the, chop the head off. I think at one point in time he threw somebody, he threw somebody down one of those endless pits, you know, that you see in, in star Wars. Yep. And, uh, you know, and you know, it was, it was totally unnecessary, but I was playing the character that he needed, he was so pissed off inside that he needed that emotional release, and mm-hmm. that's how he, that's how he got his fix, is is by doing that. And so this is where, you know, this is where I think the conversation turns a little bit to, to playing and GMing mm. these characters. And so um, with that, we're going to bring in, we're going to bring in, bring in a GM, <clears throat> and we're going to have him tell a story of how he completely lost control of his group. And, and and we're gonna we're gonna start with a case study on what not to do as a GM. A little true confessions here. True confessions. That right? We're gonna open up the confessional booth and we're going to welcome Wes Goodwin, Dane Danaeth to the show. How's it going, guys? Hello. Hey, Wes. How you doing, man? Doing well. Doing well. <laughs> true confession time, huh? That's right. Me Father Fry, I've sinned. <laughs> That's exactly it. That is exactly it. We're going to put the spotlight on... Oh, God. Can you believe it? I did it again. We're putting the spotlight on you so that you can reveal your sins. And, um, But more importantly, you know, if you guys do not, do not know, uh, Wes is one of our longtime contributors. He and I wrote the rest of the story, the module for last year's Kickstarter. This year, you're getting another Kickstarter module, which is uh, coming along very, very well. We will be playtesting it at Gamer Nation Con. Uh, well, he uh, will uh, be playtesting yeah. it at Gamer Nation Con because, um, well, Dave's going to miss the con. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know of any better way to put that. I should have had that in, uh, in the announcement section. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, one of my uh, customers that I am assigned to has delayed their project and their CFO has given them an absolute drop dead date that they had to go live into production by March 31st. And so that's the day they picked. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. So all of a sudden the news comes down Thursday last week that, um, by the way, Dave, you know that vacation you had? Yeah. We're really sorry. I'm like, oh my god, I cannot believe this is happening. But you know, it's one of those things. It's one of those things for for my career. I cannot just say no. I'm going to go on vacation because then my vacation will be extended on a more permanent basis. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you know, it's one of we're those. All, uh, we're all slaves to the uh, to the working. We have to do the working man thing. That's right. See, that's why I need to open up a game cafe here in Dallas. I'm going to call it Tacos and Games. That's it. We're just we're gonna do street tacos and we're gonna have board games. That's it. End of story. There you go. 
There you go. Yeah. But anyway, we, we wanted to bring uh, Wes on because he ran a game that had Age, Edge, and Fad characters all together in one big giant melting pot. And uh, Wes, tell us what you did. Well, started out in in Edge, and then I transitioned slowly out of duty into, or slowly out of obligation into duty. Relatively easy thing. Uh, but then the Force and Destiny beta came out, and actually had two characters uh, that were wanting to be Force sensitive, and they had bought into it, and they were like, "So we're going to do morality?" And I was like, "Yeah, we're going to do morality." And I should I should have just had those two characters take the morality on, mm. but I had this idea, and it seemed like a wonderful, great idea at the time, that you know. I'll, I'll let the I'll let the characters who are not fort sensitive take morality as well, and I had this idea that you know if you're in the middle around 50 you know nothing major, but if you went above 70 70 and or below 30, then you know you would have this you would either have a good reputation or a bad reputation that would you know maybe precede you make you infamous or famous one way or the other. Right. Uh, Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, anytime, <laughs> anytime the force-sensitive character would do something, you know, I would remember morality, sign conflict, if necessary. But the, I would forget about it for the the non-force-sensitive characters. Uh, mm. And so, at a certain point, every time somebody was rolling the destiny pool to begin, he's like, "And yes, uh, I'm just a go par- ahead and par- add a paragon. just go ahead and add a force pip." Just go, I mean, yeah. a, a white. Go ahead and add a white point. Yep. Just go ahead and add one. See, <laughs> so, yeah, it kind of got away from me uh, at that point. So, you know, ton of destiny points there, and and my players all, at times like to hoard the light side destiny points uh, and <laughs> mm. not spend them. Oh yes. <clears throat> okay. Well, if we do that, it'll give him a dark side point to, to spend on us. I was like, guys, I'm here to facilitate <laughs> a game and have fun, not screwed over. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, that that actually is a very logical strategy when GM Brev is GMing, GMing your game, <laughs> but not the rest of us. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, that that's what happened, and uh, it, it was kind of a it was kind of a letdown. Now, now the next new cam- the new campaign I'm I'm running now though, I've limit if if you are not force sensitive, you don't get mor- you don't take morality. Uh, but eight of my eleven players are playing force sensitive characters. So, eleven players. That yeah. Well, actually, we had, we had two drop out, so it's down to nine. Oh, okay. Well, only Which nine I'm, then. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of sad that that the two of those dropped out because they're two of my better, two of my better players. They're they're more into the RP than crunchy mm-hmm. bits mechanics. So, mm-hmm. hey, yeah. your hats off, my hats off to you anyway because. Uh, I try and keep my games at uh, five people max. I don't. Well, I'm running it. Uh, I'm running open games at a store. Oh, sure. So it's one of those things. I'm. I'm not gonna. You're not gonna I'm turn a, it. You know, I'm not gonna turn somebody away that wants to learn the system. And mm-hmm. that's kind of why two those two players dropped out. They're like, we don't want to take space at the table when you're trying to promote the game and mm-hmm. and teach people. We know the game and. They're going to play in a private game that I'm going to get started, hmm. hopefully. Well, hopefully you know, 
you know what? Then my hat is doubly off for you. I don't know if I can take my hat off any more than it already that's is. Right. But uh, you've created ambassadors for the game. That's right, and that's pretty awesome. See, you get a light side point for that. So. <laughs> uh, one one good thing though that came out of this was very interesting. Is in that in that first campaign I ran where the where we started bringing in the morality, the the force sensitive character he was he was basically playing the big dumb action hero. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I mean that was that's when he we started the thing. He's like, you know, I'm playing a smuggler, I'm the pilot, whatever. He said, you can't tell me that you know Han Solo was just a completely mundane person with the amount of crazy stupid things that he pulled and you know we had the discussion again after uh-huh. after force awakens he's like yeah See? you can't tell me he wasn't force sensitive in some way or fashion because of all of the stupid things he pulled off while flying the falcon so it's the whole his whole idea was that he didn't realize he was force sensitive until much later in the campaign uh, but uh, once like he that. did there was a scene where i'd had uh, he he was uh, it's kind of weird. I, I introduced Ahsoka, Ahsoka Tano into the the campaign, and they were trying to find her. They didn't know mm. it was her at the time, but they were trying to find her. They'd heard rumors on a planet that uh, that uh, so there might be a force sensitive there. They went to find this person, and he ended up just rolling stupid on his deception check to get into a imperial controlled spaceport. Met an inquisitor. <laughs> bluffed, bluffed the, bluffed the Inquisitor that he was a member of the ISB that was trained in interrogation. So the Inquisitor sent him in to question the some of the witnesses. <laughs> so he goes in the room and he just looks at me. He goes, "I know I'm going to get conflict for this, but here, here's basically what I'm doing." He said, "Instead of role playing the whole scene out, I'm just going to tell you kind of what I'm, my plan is." I was like, "Okay." He's like. I look at these group, this group of people. What am I? What do I see? I see you see, basically you see two parents and two children, standing there, one teenager, one's one's a preteen, and then you see the parents. That this is a you know, freighter. You say, okay, here's what I do. I look at the father and I tell him, I'm with. I'm actually with the rebellion. I'm going to try to get you out of this, <laughs> but it's not going to be pretty. And then he basically proceeds to tune the guy up. Just basically punch him to a blood, almost a bloody pulp in front of his children in the interrogation room. And then he's going to go out and tell them, try to tell, you know, show them the fact that he beat this guy half senseless and then say, yeah, they don't know anything. See, I worked him over. They'd have, they have known nothing about this. So we can turn. And so I was like, okay, uh, I'll give you a boost on your deception check, but you're going to take conflict because you are, inflicting unnecessary psychological trauma on two children. And he was mm-hmm. like, I'm fine with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. It's for the greater good. <laughs> so let me ask oh. you this. Where, how much how much conflict did you apply? Did you do... I'm just, I'm just curious. Uh, unnecessarily... You... Unnecessary... Uh, where is it? Yeah, uh, the un, the un, I gave him. I gave him ten. I gave him ten. Ten off. for torture. Oh, I, I was, I was wondering and if you were going to go unnecessary cruelty, which was like, you know, well, what five or six, right? Or six well, or seven. actually, I gave him. I actually gave him. Uh, no, I actually gave him eight because I was like, that. That's not actually. You're not actually torturing the guy. But and and these, but these are sapient creatures. Right. I mean, they're, right. They're human beings. It, it's you know, 
you're going to mm-hmm. probably scar these kids for a very long time, and therapy is going to be necessary uh, for them to move on with their lives. <laughs> yeah, that's a no. That's a perfect example. Of what we were talking, just talking about, like he, that guy is doing, he's doing the wrong thing for the right reasons, and you know, maybe we wouldn't um, like. And I'm not even going to say like it was necessarily like, like it may have been the only way to save their lives. But it wasn't a good thing that he did. Nobody would ever say it was good. Right. Whether or not it was necessary doesn't excuse you from yeah. from it. But that, like, that's cool that his character was, like, willing to go with that. Like, that player was like, no, I accept the responsibility and I accept this. And we're going to role play it out this way because this is what my character would do. Yeah, it's it's really good that, you know, and, and this goes back to, you know, GM Sam's original question is that that character, if this had been that character that he's talking about, he mm-hmm. probably would have said, you know, there's no conflict here. I'm doing the right thing. I am absolutely doing the right thing. We're getting these people out of an imperial facility. We're getting them out. We're part of the rebellion. You know, this is great. We've saved them. Well, yeah, but you beat the hell out of the guy. Yeah. You know, and and the force doesn't care. Yeah, it's it 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 is. That's why there's a light and a dark side to the you know the pips. There is no there are no gray pips on the dice. I think right. I mean, you haven't added any nope. gray pips to the dice, right? No, no, no. Okay. I, oh. Sometimes I go with a magic marker and just mess up one just to mess with people, but <laughs> that's a silver pip, sir. That's a... yeah. <laughs> You get special, you know? But no, the, I, there there are no gray pips. There's white and there's black. And, and one of the th- other things that kind of really impressed me about that whole situation was the next game session that we played after that, he came in and he handed me a piece of paper and he said, tell me if you... He said, read over this and tell me what you think. And it was literally... He listed every horrible thing he did and then he had used the, the conflict penalty table as a god and added it up and had made rolls for those things i mean it was oh. broken down by session he's like i was like i'm not going to tell wow. you what to do with your character man if you think you you know he said no i want you to tell me if the conflict point resolution is correct so i just, i looked down through it and i was like i changed this this and this and then he's like okay i'm gonna roll it and he rolled it out right there and added the just started adding conflict points to his character oh that is that's beautiful like, he's like you know we, you know, yeah, the first session we, we beat up that bounty hunter Trex and, you know, we could have just let him go, but no, we, we intentionally flew up in the air and then dropped him <laughs> out of the ship with oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Mars shooter. I was like, yeah, but then he survived. I mean, he did survive. I mean, I, I did roll a percentile dice to see if he would live. And he's like, yeah, but then the session after that, when he ambushed us with the other bounty hunters, we stood around him reservoir dog style and just... <laughs> pulled the trigger until you said he was dead <laughs> <laughs> so do they all get like, 10 points like, for murder in that situation well i mean so i only applied it to him because he was the only one with the balls to come out and say you know hey i think hey whoever you are sir um if you're listening to this podcast i am impressed that hey, is sam that has is... removed his hat again yeah like i'm just gonna leave it off now you see why I'm so sad to have lost him from this game. I oh, mean, man. Let's celebrate bad. him. What is that guy's name? Uh, his name is Ryan. Ryan. Yes. Ryan. And does he listen? A... What? 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Does he listen to the show? Uh, he he tries to, but he's uh, he's had to cut back on the different podcasts he listens to. So he doesn't listen. Okay, no problem. Uh, he, it's on and off. Yeah. It's on and off with, with Order 66. No so. problem. But, okay, go ahead, Sam. Sorry, I cut you off. Oh, no, that's fine. I was just going to say, Ryan, that is awesome, and I love what you did with that character. Like, ah, that is that is just beautiful. And that was Sam Stewart, the owner of Fantasy Flight. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I still want to have a job tomorrow, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. W- would you be considered the product owner of this line at this uh, point? Eh, it's a it's it's such a group thing anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. I was gonna say you can I'm you can call me the manager of the RPG department and there you I'll go. take I'll gladly take that. There you go. See, it's it's a little bit different in the software world where you have product managers and owners mm. and stuff, but you know. We used to have more of that, but we've the lines have blurred. Gotcha. Oh, by the way, I need to send a shout out to Cynthia and uh oh god, who did she hook me up with? Um it it um I don't remember now. Um, anyway, Fantasy Flight sent us some really nice stuff for our convention. Oh, good, good. I- including I'm glad able to do that. Yes, including a core set of Armada. Oh, nice. Yes, and so you heard it here first that you might be able to win that at the convention. Ooh. Just saying, that's a hundred dollar MSRP right there. That's sweet. I know. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm not saying I'm a huge. I've been a huge fan of playing Armada, but I've been a huge fan of playing Armada. <laughs> back to the discussion of the Great Jedi. The closest yes, thing sir. I can think of in any of the in any of the Star Wars um, series was the. Um, if you read any of the Dawn of the Jedi comics, I mean, I know it's Legends, but I mean, Dawn of the Jedi comics, the the Jedi on Tython mm-hmm. were obsessed with balance. I mean, there was points where somebody like, I've, I've strayed too far into the light, I have to bring myself into balance. Or I've strayed too far far into the dark, I need to bring myself into balance. Yeah. Mm. No, we... the closest thing. Mm-hmm. No, and that's a... It's, it's an interesting idea. I mean, it's... It goes into that whole thing of, like, what's the, uh, what's the force versus what they believe, but it doesn't mean that what they believe is... Yeah. Is, like wrong for you know like i'm not gonna say like they were wrong or whatever but Mm -hmm. you know their beliefs can go against um can go against uh like the morality of the force and still work which is awesome Mm -hmm. like like yeah they yeah i i love one of the things i love about star wars is that the um is there's the is there's these different belief systems and you're kind of seeing that now with the force awakens which is kind of cool because like the uh village on uh on uh jakku that gets wiped out um is actually a village of people who worship the church of the force none of them are force sensitive but they actually see the force as a religion and right so all these different ways of viewing the force and are some of them right some of them wrong yeah maybe you know like or or you know what maybe not but how they interact with the force it goes back to it the force may not doesn't probably doesn't care about their viewpoints right but it doesn't stop people from doing their own interpretations with it and it you know it has some really interesting real world religious connotations with it as well right oh absolutely uh and jaffer by the way it was jaffer jaffer oh sure yeah 
He's the man. Anton used to be the guy to do that, but I haven't talked to Anton in a while. Anton is uh, it, Anton's still with us, but he is on to bigger and bigger and better things. Ah, that's he's good. He's a victim of his own success. Well, good for Anton. <laughs> we salute you, sir. See, John Williams even salutes her. Oh, yeah. I there think. you go. Boom. Um, but, yeah. No, you're... Um, yeah, Wes, your character... Um, Ryan. Ryan, yeah. Um, play, played up the Grey Jedi idea really well, I think. Um, he does the... Uh, he does the wrong... Th- he does... Sometimes he does the wrong thing. He's, you know, he's pulling the Mal Reynolds from Firefly or the... Uh, or the uh, Ryan Reynolds slash um, <laughs> Wade w- <laughs> Wade Wilson, from, yeah, yeah, from uh, Deadpool, he's do- he does the wrong things. You know, sometimes he's very aware he is too. I mean, mm-hmm. and he just doesn't care. But that you know, if you're playing that as a player, and you're like, yeah, bring on the conflict. I should probably earn some for this, right? Good. You have the right attitude for playing so, a Jedi. So let's 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 look at another comic book type. And and I know I think I think the next season is either out or getting ready to come out. Daredevil. Yep. Yeah. And you know mm. that to me is a little bit more ambiguous because he's done some bad things, but he's mostly his character is mostly good. Right. And, and, you know, there's no question, obviously, you know, Mr. Kingpin there is, is bad, you know, to the bone. But, yeah, I, I haven't seen, it's been a while since I've seen, um, since I've seen it. And I, I probably have to go back and rewatch everything. But, uh, to me, it seems part of his deception, you know, even to his own, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you rule that? You know, how, how, how would you, you know, you're actively deceiving even your own closest friends. Is that conflict? Uh, there has to be a little bit there. Maybe one or two points every now and again, but I mean, you're not doing it. You're not doing it for your own personal gain. No. I mean, yeah, you're doing it to protect them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're. I think. Uh, yeah, I think like, especially on Daredevil side, like the only like you know lying to your friends about your secret identity and stuff to keep them safe like maybe once in a while like one or two points like but that's not bad it and then yeah but kingpin oh that character (laughs) he's diabolical oh i loved his character in their in in that vision of daredevil because of that whole self-delusion element he is super convinced that he is doing the right thing for the city, even though he's doing terrible things. Yeah. Well, dep- uh, depending on the comic run, the, ben, uh, Bendis and some of them wrote Kingpin the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, he, that he was that he's doing this all, for all the right. You know, he at least he thinks he's doing everything for the right reasons. And you know, Daredevil again under Miller. I mean, he threw people off of buildings. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, he 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 literally threw. Uh, was it? Is it bullseye? Yeah, threw bullseye off of a building into a parked car on the ground. Broke every bone in the man's body. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's that's an eight right there. <laughs> um, um, and what's uh, what's awesome about it? You guys have all seen the trailer for next season of Daredevil, right? I've seen the trailer. Okay. I mean, so the the line the Punisher has: "You're one bad day away from being me." <laughs> 
now, now uh, there is a now there is a, a another good anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as long as we're talking about anti-heroes, how can you not talk about the Punisher, Punisher. right? Yeah. He is, um, and the Punisher though, the Punisher is somebody who's really actually is real I think is really self-aware of it. At least when he's done at his best, I think he is completely aware of that he is he is a bad person. <laughs> but he he has come to he has come he is fine with that. He like his own personal morality in his mind like it's interesting cuz he can see the good and the bad. He can see the black and the white and he chooses to and he just chooses very very deliberately to live right in the right in the depths of the shadow. Yeah. So that and that you know that kind of brings us back full circle, right? In terms of you know as a player, if you're if you're wanting to live in the shadow, just be aware of the fact that you are going to receive conflict based on the GM's interpretation of what you did and how does the force view what you did? Is it is it just without any special circumstances or any knowledge if i said to you you beat up a guy and you beat him to the point of unconsciousness and that's all i said is that good or bad well you wouldn't be able to tell me would you is it good or bad until i add he did nothing wrong he did nothing to you you were not defending yourself you just simply beat him up well that sounds bad then you add well, if I didn't beat him up, then he would have been sequestered in this Imperial facility, probably shot and killed. Well, then it's a good thing, right? No, it's still bad. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's, it's just on the face of it. It is, a, it is a negative action. You may have done it for the right reasons, but reasons don't count with the force. Is it good or bad? Yeah. The action itself. So when you're playing, don't argue with your GM. And if you're a GM and you've got characters that continue to want to play between 30 and 70... Let them. It's not that big a deal, you know? You've got a self-limiting factor anyway with the dice, as long as they're not generating too much conflict. But, and, it, you know, if they are, then they're flipping They're flipping light side points to dark side points, you know, destiny points, that is, if they go below 30. I couldn't have said it better myself. Sorry, Wes, were you so, did you have something you wanted I know, to add? I was, I was going to add one, one other, kind of like another good games go great moment was the ending of that campaign arc um, they actually infiltrated an imperial star destroyer that was um, retrofitted to be a mobile prison to rescue ahsoka and they ran into another inqu a different inquisitor <laughs> and you are inquisitor the, happy the <laughs> the ending of that was amazing because Ryan actually had to miss that session. He had to miss the very last session. But me, he, me and him worked out the ending of we worked out what his character was going to do over the phone beforehand. And so the last thing they see is everybody's supposedly back on the ship. They take off in this stolen Imperial shuttle, and are, they're backing out. And they see the Inquisitor jump down from the rafters onto the floor and pick up a Tie Fighter and hurl it at the shuttle. <laughs> and they're all like freaking out. They're like, "Holy!" But then the the tie fighter stops, and as they're pulling out of the starter story, they see his character is on the deck, on the flight deck, holding the tie fighter at bay against the Inquisitor, 
and then they just hear over the comms, go now. Nice. They see the Inquisitor ignite the lightsaber and hurl it at him. So he had the big dumb action hero ending. Wow. <laughs> oh, oh and that's how he wrote himself out of the campaign and rode off yeah, into the sunset. That, yeah, that was the last session. And uh, that that was how his char- that was his character's ending was you know, he wanted to he actually after the morality system was in, he actually said, I wanna go really dark and then I wanna try to get back to the uh light side. You know, so that was his big yeah. redemption moment was And that's the the funny thing is there is there you know, as as big as that moment is, it's still worth a maximum of ten. <laughs> you know, um I and stuff like that, I will um like there um i i had a um i had a player who did something really similar um in one of my games and he was at and he it was actually max so you all you all familiar uh, with yes max? we he was on our last show yeah um and he was play and this was when he was testing force and destiny and testing how much of a redemption arc is possible using the morality system so he had, so this was a long test it was six months of playing this character from dark side to light side um, in our um, in our t- internal test session. And his last session, or the last session before he went light, was when he had a chance to kill the person who had been hounding him and had been, like, ruining his life and, like, all that. And he chose not to. And actually, it was that he was close, and I just, with his role, and I said, no, there... I'm I'm pushing you over the edge here. I'm going to give you the extra morality. And you know, as a GM, you can sometimes do that, I think. Sure. I think but, if it was an especially poignant moment like that, you know, mm-hmm. why not give him a few extra points? You know, it's 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 perfectly within the GM fiat to say this is a redemption moment, right? Mm-hmm. Darth Vader in a manner of speaking was redeemed at the end of Return of the Jedi. Was that, you know, his 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 morality score was firmly in the teens. <laughs> right up until then. Right. And was that enough to push him? Sure. I, you know what? Yeah. You're at 31 now. Sure. No problem. You're no longer dark side. You're not a paragon by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but, you know, okay. Fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you be at 30 or 31, you know? <laughs> just because. Just because you just killed yourself. Yeah, you're if, about if, to die. If you That's really funny. killed yourself, because, you know, you might be Snoke. <laughs> oh, God. I hope not. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, and that's and that's why Rule Zero exists. Exactly. Or is it Rule One? No, always, it's Rule Zero. Yeah, GM okay. Fiat. Yep. I always forget which ones uh, always have fun and uh, which ones uh, GM Fiat. Yeah, there you go. Um, But... Yeah, that's why uh, that's why it's rule zero. You're, you know, the GM can always bend the rules for an interesting story. The rules are written so that uh, they work for they work as broadly as possible for the most number of people. And then the GM wants to tweak them a little bit. He can, he or she can, absolutely. Um, but well, yeah, no, that's um, I think uh, I think that pretty much sums up Grey Jedi really well is that there you go. go into them with eyes open and embrace that element of ga- of playing them. And if they fall to the dark side, they fall to the dark side. You know what? They're going to, fl- like I said before, they're going to flip a destiny point after you roll. If hmm. they go below 30, 
and you know you just you just deal with it and now they and of course they can they can call on their dark side pips and they're mechanically speaking you know there's it's all there you know page you know, 48 to 53 yep and hey then you can if you don't like the fact that you felt that the dark side have your character not like it and redeem yourself that's right there are redemption look oh. at uh, page 324 and 325 for some of that redemption and and um, all that jazz <laughs> that goes along with it, but uh, yep. all right, Wes. Can you you want to hang out for the uh, messages because we've got a couple of questions oh, we're yeah. going to answer, and then I can uh, hang out for a while. Yeah, all right, Sweet. cool. Glad to have you. I know I didn't give you access to our show notes and stuff, but uh, you know you can roll with it. Hey, I wouldn't be the first time. Oh, there you go. All right, so that's it. He doesn't seem to take a hint. This guy. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Messages from the Edge. Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. Hmm, it would be wise. So welcome again to Messages from the Edge, our regular show segment where we take the time to answer your game and rules questions about this system, and you may be asking exactly how. How can you get us questions, and it's very very easy you can go to the forums that's the easiest way there is a thread at d20radio.com slash forums that you can if you're not registered go ahead and register and then head over to the order 66 podcast boards and you'll find a messages from the edge thread that's up top and you can post and likely you'll get some responses although not always but sometimes most of the time you will get responses of guys that obviously have their opinions and um sometimes you'll even get you know important people like sam to come on and say hey you're doing it wrong or hey good job you're doing it right of course you can always if you're brave enough leave us a question on the d20 radio hotline 262 d20 radio or 262-320-7234 and of course you can email us gm chris at d20radio.com gm dave at d20radio.com and of course gm phil at d20 radio.com so tonight we have a couple of questions for you that i pulled off of the four of the forums and since i'm not on every single show i hope these have not been answered but they are somewhat um you know at least within the last few months this one on christmas day no less and uh, had a few questions for us this is ericus or arrakis i have no idea how to say his name and he posted recently on mass combat and uh, of course now there's a new source book out that adds a little bit to the uh, what was in Onslaught at Arda. And uh, he, he, uh, he asks us this. I was reading over the mass combat rules that just came out in Lead by Example. And though the rules are rather straightforward, I am curious on one thing. The book speaks about how Jedi used to play a key role in large battles and how quickly they rose to generals and admirals in the CW, which is pretty cool. Of Clone Wars, by the way. Um, <laughs> but what I wanted to know is how would fellow GMs plan to incorporate the use of, of battle meditation into the new mass combat system? My initial thought would be that of the answer uh, would be it depends. <laughs> For example, the player is, the only, uh, is only initially invested in the force power and, and that then maybe it only provides a boost to the role or possible adds trivial, um, but 
as the player further invests in the power and number of force points increases, I could see the use of the power adding vast or even overwhelming. Just wanted to hear what uh, other people thought about it. Thought about it. Thought about it. So being, I'm in the, I'm in, uh, you know, I'm an idiot. I, I don't have this book. Yeah, I, I don't think that makes you an idiot at all. No, but you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's very close to what's in order. Mm-hmm. Operation order. Yeah, it's um, it just expanded in in more explanation. Yeah, it's flushed out, but it is they are the same rules. Um, well, to be perfectly perfectly honest, yeah, I mean, I think I think he's right that the most basic version of battle meditation, although very good is probably boost dice worthy when you're talking about spreading it across. Um, I mean, so it's number of engaged targets up to your presence, um, one automatic success. So we're talking three or four people. Like it's a, you know, it's a party buff. It's not a, uh, it's not a go forth my legion. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah. But I, I like his point. Like if you're upgrading this thing and upgrading this thing, um, Oops. It can start to get pretty impressive. Like, you know, you can start um, adding in ranks and a chosen skill. That seems like it'd be really good. Um, I mean, that's mastery level, so that's real good, actually. But, you know, you can add more successes, affect more people. You can affect a lot of people. And at that point, I think the place where it affects mass combat is at your ability dice step, which also is the step where it's where you're basically putting ability dice in the pool based on how sweet your dudes are. How how yeah. good are your troops? And how how good are theirs, right? Yeah. That well, whole... Yeah, and theirs are the difficulty dice. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's your... I mean, battle meditation is basically making it's a it's a for, like at the at the high levels when you saw it in the uh, comic books and some of the books it was a force multiplier it was you know you, our guys went from the um Joe Schmo taking off the farm to the Spartan 300 who hold the hot gates fighting in perfect unison right <laughs> yep so that that would be my my thing. Like I think it could add like increase your ability by one. Maybe if you got it up to the mastery level, maybe it's increase your ability by two because, or maybe it's only increase your ability by two if you yourself are a ridiculously badass warrior. There you are. An answer from the man himself. Owner of fa- no, sorry, no. I keep going back <laughs> to that. I can't. I can't. No, sorry. He is the uh, <clears throat> the CEO of Asimodi. <laughs> now, now I'm going to have the French wanting to kill me. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> you realize I, I met the CEO of Asmodee, I think, once. It was a room with everyone in the company, and he was addressing all of us. So met is a... It's a relative term. Yeah, I'm making finger quotes right now. <laughs> yeah, of course, yes. Par- he's parenthetically, you know, as a... <laughs> All right. Hopefully wouldn't recognize me. <laughs> so, um, Arcarian comes to us with a, a vehicular manslaughter question. Uh, actually, a couple of them. And um, he says, uh, I have a couple of questions about Silhouette 1 and 2 open vehicles. Uh, things like jetpacks, Aerotech, or, or R82 jump boots, anything else kind of in that style. So, he says, first, 
Do vehicle talents apply to these, jetpacks or jump boots, when being used? Can you use defensive driving to increase your defense by one uh, per rank? Do you, what, uh, what about all the other driver, pilot, rigger type uh, planetary talents? And secondly, when in a small vehicle that is not enclosed, such as swoops, skiffs, land speeders, and speeder bikes, how do you determine if a personal scale weapon hits the driver and or passenger instead of bouncing off or getting soaked by the vehicle? And so now that one from my GM, let me, let me take a whack at it. And then, and then Sam, you can, uh, you can come in and, and tell me if I'm being bad. And, uh, Wes, I'd like to hear your thoughts as well. Um, from the first idea, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't, you know, talents and, and defensive driving or whatever. Uh, I wouldn't see why you couldn't use planetary, uh, talents on, uh, jet packs or something like that. I, I, you know, personally, I would allow it. I, I yeah. mean, it's just a simple yes, no. Right. Yeah, uh, I'm fine with it. What do you think, Wes? Well, I'll preface this with: Uh-oh. if you are going to say that, that that it does apply, then it's obvious that Django and Boba never took those talents <laughs> to take the from them. So they're jetpacks. Uh, I'm going to say from the canon that they probably, you know, if they did take the talents, then from the canon movie perspective, then it doesn't apply. So. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! No, it just it just means that Mace Windu had precise aim. There you see. That's that's what I'm talking about right there. It's, you know, I wasn't even referring to Mace Windu. I was referring to the fact that that Obi Wan nearly kicked his butt on Camino, and then oh and then Han yeah. Solo defeated him. Han Solo defeated him with a with a vibro axe. <laughs> defeated both vibro axe. I mean, just to, just to take wow. it all the way. Oh, sorry. <laughs> just to take it all the way back to uh, D20 Star Wars. Han Solo wasn't attacking Boba Fett. He was attacking his square. He was, and actually, he was swinging at something else and rolled a despair. <laughs> I don't know. He wasn't even swinging. He he just turned around. He just hit him. I mean, if that's a triumph. That's that's a triumph, is what that is. You know. I mean, it's a failure triumph. I don't know what that was, but yeah, it, it triggered the jetpack. Yeah, exactly. You know. So, you're right. You're right. Okay. So the sec and the second question is, I think we've talked about this before. Is that if you're going to shoot at a passenger, it's not, I don't think it's up to the GM, first of all. I don't think it's up to the GM to say, if you're shooting at a vehicle, you're going to hit the vehicle, unless you specifically say, I am aiming at the passenger. And if so, as a GM, I'm going to make you aim, which is a maneuver, and then I'm going to give you setback, I'm going to give you know cover to the occupant, all that stuff. If you're planning on trying to shoot at the... It's like, you know, shoot the glass. She's the Vinsta. <laughs> Yeah, no, I like that answer too, honestly. I mean, that's why that's why there are two different functions for the aim maneuver. One of them to give you boost dice, which we all do because it's a great uh, way to... Yeah, and, but the other one is because I want to hit something specific. And what could be more specific than I want to hit the guy driving this car? Yep. Nope. Precisely. So, yeah, you know... You know, and, and uh, from from that standpoint, uh, thank you, by the way, um, Arcarian, for um, for um, for sending us the question. We appreciate it. Um, but you know, from from that standpoint, we have um, come to a time. The show actually ran a little longer than I thought it would. Well, once you get into uh, once you get into Deadpool and uh, Daredevil and everything, we just have so much to talk about. Yeah, exactly. And we didn't even we didn't really talk. You know, we talked a little bit off the top about the Avengers and and, and all that. But 
you could bring in Avengers and X-Men and talk ad nauseum about conflict mm-hmm. and doing bad things for the right reasons, you know? Uh, Magneto, I'm sure, in his mind, thought he was the most pure person. Oh, God, that is... Yeah, that is such the... Uh, that is absolutely... <laughs> All right, Wes. We don't need. We don't need that. <laughs> are you are you talking? Are you talking Ian McKellen Magneto? Or are you talking Michael yeah. Fassbender Magneto? No, Ian McKellen. Okay. Although I do also like, uh, I do like me some Michael Fassbender Magneto too. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the Magneto ending... just as a general is cool. The ending of of uh... <laughs> ah, dang it, first class. I mean, fast, but the way Fastbender played that with him and against the, the main villain, he says, "You know, I'm I'm not doing this to save lives. I'm doing this because you killed my mother and I hate you." <laughs> no, that is a good point. That, yeah, I, I I forgot about that. Yeah, he he does embrace it, doesn't he? Uh huh. So, yeah, man, that's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. So, uh, again, we bid the adieu, Gamer Nation. We really do appreciate you guys listening to us. Become a member of the Gamer Nation. Go over to d20radio.com and slash forums and register. Read our blog. Tell our authors that they're awesome. And then, you know, help them continue to get paid. Email us. Call us up. 262-D20-RADIO. 262-320-7234. Sam, thank you so much for joining us here on this evening. Thank you, sir. It was absolutely a pleasure, Wes. It's great to talk to you again. Are we going to be? Am I going to be able to see you at uh, in Texas oh, yeah. this month? Yes, yes, yes. I'm flying awesome. down on the thirtieth. That will Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah. Yep. Uh, same time I am. Fantastic. Yep. And I'm probably landing in a different airport, but <laughs> <laughs> Sam, you're coming into love, right? Uh, or you're coming DFW? Where? Here, hold on. Actually, I'm. I'm coming. I'm coming into Love Field. Okay, you're going to Love. Then yeah. Then Rodney and Sam. Are, Rodney and Sam are both DFW. Yeah, I, I didn't notice that when I was buying my tickets, but the tickets were just too good a price. Uh, fly, fly into Love and then fly out of DFW. There's the travel confirmation. It says Dallas. Um, DFW. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting in late. I'm getting in at nine, so on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Rodney, Rodney did the same thing. He flew in late, so that way he didn't have to take a day off on Wednesday. And it's. I mean, honestly, I'm probably going to take a day off on Wednesday anyway, or at least a half day, because uh, I don't know if you ever, you've probably never flown through Minneapolis, but those uh, those lines. I have. Uh, U.S. Bank is a customer of ours, and so yes, Minneapolis yeah, the security lines are out of control. I know. Even you know, even you know, we I I paid a long time ago to get this whole pre check and global entry and all that. And there are certain airports that it just doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Yeah, yeah. And Minneapolis is one of those. But uh you know, whereas like Green Bay, for example, there's never anybody there, <laughs> no matter when you go. <laughs> it's funny how they're so close but yet totally, totally different. But um Yeah, you guys uh, wanna stick around for a little post or uh call it? I got some time. Yeah, I got a few minutes. All right. Well, in that case, we can do it. Do it.
Ah, yes. We mentioned Green Bay, and we get their touchdown song. <laughs> so, Wes, you weren't um, you weren't around for for so um, during our pregame festivities while we were getting our uh, notes in order and talking points and all that jazz. We um, we talked about uh, the fact that my wife and I went to go see um, London has fallen. Oh, I was I was on. I heard. I was in the chat. I heard. Oh okay. Oh okay. So you heard uh, that's right because I I, uh, well, the, the ad, the ad, I heard part of the discussion because the stupid ads on Ustream Ustream popped up and, and I was like <laughs> I, was, I was about ready livid and about ready to throw a bunch of profanity around. Yeah, but, uh, that's what happens. Anyway, that 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 kind of engendered the whole morality discussion because she, in the middle of the, uh, the Captain America Civil War trailer, she turned to me and she said, "Yeah, why are they fighting against each other?" And then. Later on in the trailer, I don't like Captain America anymore. You know, it, it's so funny that uh, you know, an observer. You know, I haven't talked with your wife extensively, but having visited your home and talked to her a little bit, I think if she actually saw the whole storyline, she would probably be more like Tony Stark's a complete jerk. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that's the that's the thing, right? How how do you judge? How do you judge good and bad in in that particular instance, right? Because, in that, but in that particular instance, it's not good versus bad. It's it's you know, it's liberta- It's basically libertarianism versus almost semi-totalitarianism. Come on, come on, Wes. Tony Stark just wants to make the world safe. Don't bring this back to Trump versus Hillary. That's, come I'm on, not, I'm not. I'm, I'm bringing it back <laughs> to the Civil War thing, the, the Civil War comic comic line. I mean. Well, th- that is and true. If, yeah, and if you've read if you've read any of the new Battleworld stuff, I mean, I haven't read it personally, but I've I've wikied it, and you know, there's one section of the thing where it's you've got one one section called the Iron, and Tony Stark and the Avengers run it with an iron, I mean, with an iron fist, and it's complete totalitarian government. But then on the other seaboard, Captain America, and it's called the Blue, and it's like you know, you know, you got superpowers, great, learn how to use them, control them. Don't kill anybody. You're good. In the iron, it's oh, you're a you're a superhero. Great. You're going to register, and then we're going to send you to training camp, and you're going to do what you t- we tell you when we tell you. Why does this sound like X Men all over again? <laughs> I really don't know. But what's a well? When those stories are done right, um, I uh, I definitely appreciate them because there there is always that element of you know, guys. There's good and bad parts to both of this and you know and usually usually the stories fall like fall down on one side or the other and one of the you know one of the sides comes across as being um being terrible but like if you can if you can balance it out i don't know that it's a real it's a real interesting story and i think not to not to get all moralistic or anything but that's a that's the kind of thing that uh our literature and comic books and everything can teach our young people. Mm. They, they did a pretty good job of it in the, I'm thinking the Civil War comic, the original one, but uh, mm-hmm. um, I don't oh, know. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to come off in the in the movie. Well, I hope I hope they do it justice. Um, <laughs> I hope they do it justice. Otherwise, I'll have to turn to the Justice League. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> the, the more I. The, Every trailer I see for Batman versus Superman, it's like an alternating thing. I'll see a trailer and I'll be like, "This is going to be the, this is going to be horrible." I'm not going to go watch it. And then I'll see another one. We're like, 
might not be so bad. Might not be bad. And that, that's another. That's another one. That's another one where Cindy looks at me and says, "Why are they fighting against each other? I don't like that." So I don't. I don't even know if she's going to be able. I don't even know if she's going to tolerate going to see that movie with me. She might, but you know, you know. Whereas Ghostbusters, she's all over Ghostbusters with the girl Ghostbusters, and mm, she wants to see that. And then, uh, well, yeah, watch the trailer and then watch some of the alternate trailers and see if the lack of dialogue uh, actually um, d- 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 changes your opinion of what the movie might look like uh, to, to you. Trailer. You don't need dialogue. What's that? <laughs> it's well, a teaser trailer. You don't really need dialogue. Uh, just, just, see, just see what happens. I, I, uh, I'm not all that excited about it, but, you know, we'll see. I, I just don't know. I, I, I don't know if my... I don't know if the fact that my gender bias is such that it's affecting me or uh, because, you know, I can't sit here and say, you know, with the ladies as Ghostbusters, that that's not just a giant change. You know, I well, just it, I just don't want them to reboot and do everything the same, except, oh, now they're girls. Well, you know? anytime they do a swap like that for any movie, as long as as long as there's a reason, as long as there is a valid reason you're doing it and you tell a good story, I don't care. Like everybody, when the when the new Fantastic Four movie came out, everybody, a lot of people at the comic shop I go to were just pissed. Like, you know, why are they making you know Johnny Storm black, and why are they doing, you know, why are they changing Reed Richards' powers? But I'm like, as long as it's a good story, guys, you know, it'll be okay. And then the movie came out, and it was like, oh god, what? <sighs> well, yeah, but yeah. I mean, that's not uh, that has nothing to do with matters of ethnicity or power difference or anything like that. I mean, it's just, you know, well, you guys uh, delivered a flaming turd to the, uh, to the movie. Yeah, exactly. Theater. Just because yeah. Peter Parker is still Spider-Man doesn't mean that it's still a good movie. Yeah. yeah. And same thing with Ghostbusters. Like, for me, you know, the uh, it may be good, it may be bad. I'm totally going to totally gonna watch it. Um, the And I'm fine also with the original one. So it's like, you know, right. that I've got that one. If the new one's good, hopefully, you know, I'll judge it on its merits. If not, eh. I will try to one, go in with an open mind myself. One yeah. of the reasons I want to see it is the fact that they announced that Chris Helmsworth is going to be playing the receptionist for them. So, <laughs> I mean, I've, I, have seen him, I have seen him in so many, like, just action movies and serious drama. I want to see him. I want to see what he does in comedy. Yes. I oh, my God. They, and... and if they make him look all, I mean, he, he will look nothing like Thor, or I don't know. Maybe they're going to give well, they've, him. They've shown a few pictures of him. I mean, the guy's wearing the vest and like a uh, like a shirt with it rolled up, and he's got the big horn rimmed. He's got the Velma glasses. Okay, I figured they. I figured that's the way they would go with it. it I haven't seen hilarious. it, but that's awesome. I can't wait to see that. I, I don't know. I, I uh, I'll reserve judgment until I actually see it and try not to bias myself either way before I. I mean, yeah. Uh, that it's not to say it may not turn out good. <laughs> we'll, right. We'll find out. It's a Hollywood reboot, so I mean, it's it's a it's a fifty fifty crapshoot. Oh. Uh, yeah. Whether it's going to be awesome or horrible. So, I, I, did you guys? Uh, are you guys House of Cards fans? No, I haven't, I haven't watched, watched them. Yet. No. Oh, okay. So a new season just dropped on Netflix there, so I didn't know if uh, House of Cards talks probably a little bit early. So I, I bet not very many people have gotten all the way through it, but. Um, Anyway, I was looking. I've been looking forward to that. And well, did, what, what did, did either of you watch Agent Carter? The last, this last season of Agent Carter. No, you know I never got into <sighs> no, it because it's on because it's on Hulu, and I've got Netflix. Yeah, so. I'm not a Hulu guy either. The first season, 
fantastic. And the second season, I was going in with, I guess maybe I got my expectations up too high. I was going in, you know, this is going to be awesome. And then I was like, I know it's only 10, you know, I kept at the midpoint after five episodes, I was like, I know this is only five episodes, but good grief, guys, you could have told this entire freaking story in five episodes and been done with it. Why are you dragging <laughs> this out so long? Mm. I heard this. I heard the second half of it picked up, though, and this is me just from hearing from other people. Well, I mean, they they had to do there was there were uh, two weeks that they did two hour episodes. Oh mm. wow! They played two ep- They played each episode back to back, and it was it, again. It was one of those things where it's like literally everything you did in that two hours you could have accomplished in one. You could have accomplished everything you needed in one hour, but yet I don't know. Maybe the maybe it's I don't know. I don't know who is writing, but it's like we have to feminize her more, so we have to put a love triangle in. Mm. No, you don't. You, it's Agent <laughs> Carter. You don't need a freaking love triangle, right? You just need. To, I just want to see her doing what she did in everything else I've seen her in. <laughs> I don't want to see her, you know, worrying over man problems. Oh, I hear that. The only man problem she should be worrying about is the guy coming at her with a knife and how she's going to beat him down. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, noted friend of the show and avid role player Andy Hurley is uh, the drummer for Fallout Boy. Mm. Do you know what their new tour is called? What? Winter is coming. Oh. <laughs> okay. Everybody's jumping on the the Game of Thrones bandwagon. Yeah. Oh, Wes. Remember which office I work in. I've been there for years already. Not me specifically, but there's like a whole subculture in the office that are huge George R. R. Martin fans. Oh. Then there's then there's the other subculture in the office that may not like George R. R. Martin, and then we have huge debates over whether or not it's good or not. <laughs> I like, like George a... R. R. Martin, but I'm just I don't know. With with Game of Thrones, I don't know. I'm just Well now we're in now we're in completely uncharted territory. <laughs> yeah, well, this has team... nothing to do with Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, that's what post-show is for. Post-show is for something that has nothing to do with Star Wars. I mean, we can talk baseball if you want to. But, but, Uh, yeah. So how's twin? how are the Twins spring season? Never mind. (laughs) Dude, and then you get, of course, you have the the whole product line, right? (laughs) 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 Then you have the whole Game of Thrones product line, you know. So I can just imagine the debates that go on in that office. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, it gets uh, it gets it gets in depth. It gets super in depth. Have you read any of uh, not not the Game of Thrones stuff? Have you read some of George R. R. Martin's other books? No, I actually short stories? haven't. Nope. Which which may or may not tell you which side of the debate I fall down on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's there's some of his other stuff that if, if you read it, you're ju- you're sitting there and your your mind is like. What is wrong with this man? It's entertaining, but it's just disturbing. As well, it's like Stephen King. I mean, no, th- no, this makes Stephen King look like a choir boy. Oh, wow! Mm. Like there's there's a short st- specific short story I'm thinking about, and 
you know, I'll go ahead. You might want to play the BBC warning, Dave, because this just gets way out there. Uh, don't worry about it. Go ahead. This uh, Kids, don't the listen. Short revol- the short story revolves around this guy who works. It's in the far future. This guy works on a what's called a corpse planet. It's basically humans have gotten so big. They have these dedicated funeral planets where they just dump dead bodies. And it's this man, this one guy lives on the planet by himself, and he is responsible for sorting the corpses and making sure that, you know, cataloging it, whatever. And he has this machine that he can take control of the corpse and reanimate it and move it around and have it, you know, as it's decomposed, stack it, stack the other bodies up, whatnot. And it's forced feedback. So he, he's actually seeing what's going on and feeling what the corpse is feeling. And at a certain point, he starts molesting the corpses because he gets double the sensation out of it. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as soon as you said force feedback machine, I knew where this was going. Yeah, it, you're, you're sitting there reading it, and you're like, oh my, <laughs> I think I threw up in my mouth a little bit there. <laughs> George. Oh, George. Hmm. And with that, oh. that's an ender. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think we could top that. <laughs> I'm telling you. Right, <laughs> so anyway, we'll say, with that, we'll say, uh, this is GM Dave, and I'm wishing you peace, love, and good game, and keep the dice rolling, and may they be fully forced or something like that. I forget what Phil says. What does Phil say? May the dice be with you. May the dice be with you. That's the and one. I'll, I'll just say, and I'll just say, if you if you do roll a despair, make it triumphant despair. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just embrace, say, uh, embrace peace out. Peace out. Peace, peace out, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing some of you in a month. Yous, yous, guys. We'll see you in three and a half weeks. That's right. That's, That's awesome. Right. I got to write an adventure for that. That's awesome. All right, Gamer Nation. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you later. Good night and good luck. <laughs>